Alright everyone, welcome back. It's the second part of the Lawrence, Kansas podcast. We're podcasting at this point because we have nothing better to do. <laughs> Lawrence, it, there's really nothing going on. At this point, we're both drunk. We're so here's the deal. Here's what we're going to run through here. We're going to talk, we're going to preview the UConn game. Yep. We want to pay a little bit of mind to Scotty Reynolds. Scott Reynolds. Yeah, who is a forgotten entity at this point. It's really true and really sad, actually. Very sad. Shouldn't be the case. No. Yep. We're going to talk about our guys in the NBA, and we're going to give... Our monitor is coming back. It's finals week, so we're going to give end-of-semester grades to yes. everybody, including some people not even on the team. Because you know who gives grades? Teachers, and teachers are experts, and you and I experts. are definitely experts. Experts. We should absolutely give grades to people. All right, let's get down to it. Let's do it. So here's the question that I have. So the atmosphere at Kansas was Electric. Boogie woogie woogie. <laughs> it was <laughs> really bad, right? It's really bad. <laughs> it was so good. It was, and like, what I understand. You gotta feel we, it. We, stop. <laughs> stop with the electric slide. I never no. learned how to do the electric slide. No. Anyway. All right, all right. No. <laughs> so the atmosphere was terrific. And we asked our Uber driver, like, is it always that good? Yeah. And he was like, well, look, the, the lower level teams know, but the student section is almost always as into it as it is Which because is they impressive. don't go to every game. There's 25,000 people who go here and they don't go to every game. So like every, when they go, it's intense. Which and, is impressive. Yeah. So they all know the traditions, etc. It's the other fans who make it better when it's a big time opponent. Yeah. But he basically said that anytime it's a relevant opponent, it's pretty intense. And they play a Big Ten schedule. Big 12 schedule. Sorry, Big 12 yeah. schedule. There's only 10 teams. <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point, yes. So they play the Big 12 schedule, and they get 10 home games versus – or nine home games versus rivals. Yeah. So – and plus they have other good games that go on. So it's an incredible atmosphere. My question is, is their atmosphere too good? Like Kansas fans would tell you that they're upset. That they haven't won more national championships of in the course. last ten years, yeah. right? Like, and obviously they're a blue blood program. They expect to win national championships very frequently. Their last one was two thousand eight on the Mario Chalmers three pointer to send them into overtime versus Memphis, which they then won. But Kansas fans would tell you that they felt like they had good enough teams to make Final Fours, national championships more in the last five, six, seven, eight years. And my question is: Is their environment too good? And by too good, you mean basically, does their team get so used to having this amazing home court advantage that once they actually get into a more neutral environment, are they actually at a disadvantage? Right. Exactly right. In other words, I don't understand. I didn't make this point on the, on the first part of the podcast, but I said this on Twitter. It actually amazes me that any team, any away team could win. In Allen Fieldhouse. That's how good the environment is. That's how imposing, that's how intense it is. I don't understand how any team could win. So the so, implication there is that, obviously, then Jay saying that we have the best fans is true, 
because we don't make a lot of noise. Yeah. So therefore... We replicate a more neutral or away <laughs> yeah. game environment with our fan base. So our team is used to playing in silence. Absolutely. <laughs> no, but it's, it's honestly like an, an honest question. That it's, a, it's a question I'm posing. I think the historical thought process is having a really good fan base gets you more wins, which gets you a higher seed, which gets you higher potential. But... It's just a question I, I want to ask. Anyway. All right. Anyway. So enough so, on that. Yeah. So we're going to do a UConn preview. So yes. we're playing UConn a week from the day of this recording yes. of this podcast. December 22nd. It's a Saturday. And we're doing it at MSG. It's part of a three-game series that we're doing with UConn. There's two home games and a neutral site. And the neutral site is this year at MSG. Pretty cool. Which will be really cool. UConn loves MSG. Villanova loves MSG. It'll be a split house. I imagine the atmosphere will be terrific. I think it should because, be pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's going to be really good because a lot of UConn and Villanova fans are from the New York, New Jersey, Long Island area, Connecticut area. Sure. So the tri-state area. Oh, shockingly, they, UConn fans are from the Connecticut area? Yeah, yeah. Never, no, never you expected. never would have guessed <laughs> yeah. it. But a lot of UConn fans are from Connecticut. Um, they all converge... They're all home for the holidays, and they all sure. converge yeah. on MSG, right? They'll probably go see the tree, and they'll go watch UConn or Villanova basketball. Yeah. It's like, it's going to be a big thing. So I think the atmosphere at MSG next Saturday is going to be insane. And and like we said on our last podcast, if you listen to part one, we identified this as a must-win for Villanova. Frankly, UConn's probably coming in there with a similar mindset. UConn has a decent record to date. Well, seven and three. Seven, yeah, seven and three. That said, their only quality win really is Syracuse at MSG. At MSG, and Syracuse actually just lost today on this recording. So the Syracuse win for UConn is looking less and less Good. influential. Right. Yeah. So they're going to be on the hunt. They want another quality win before they get into AAC play, which isn't great, right? There, there aren't a ton of quality wins that you're going to pick up this year. It's a down year for sure in the AAC, so they should be pretty fired up. Obviously, our fan base should be pretty fired up because we need the win coming into this. So I expect, hopefully, a pretty good game. And I mean, look, UConn is an interesting program for sure. They've got a new coach this year. Danny Hurley. Danny Hurley. Who we like. We like. He's Seems pretty crazy. He's taking over for Kevin Ollie, Kevin Ollie, who won the national title and then got he won the out. national title without being a good coach, which yeah. is interesting. He, he won the national title with Jim Mal- Jim Calhoun's players. Yeah. Call it what it is, right? So so Danny Hurley takes over. If you watch the win over Syracuse, the dude gets fired up. He yeah. would actually pretty fit pretty well in the podcast. Yeah, no, he, Danny Hurley's excited. He is. He is absolutely excited. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so he's going to have the team riled up for this game. Yeah. Now, should. mind you, also they're returning a lot of players. Yeah. We played them at UConn last year. We did correct in stores. Yeah. Right, right. And we won. Yep. By like twenty. Shocker. Our team won last year. Yeah. Not, yeah. not a surprise. <laughs> they they were pretty good. In case you didn't know. Yeah, our team last year was solid. <laughs> they were okay. Yeah. So anyway, so they're going to have a little bit of memory. So they're also going to be fired up. So they have some decent players. They've got, they yeah. have four guys averaging over 10 points a game. Yeah, so the guys to watch out for, Jalen Adams is their team leader. He's got like 16 a game? No, he's got 19 a game. Wow. Senior guard, he is the guy you need to defend for sure. So Jalen Adams is the guy. Alteri Gilbert, 
Sophomore. Sophomore, 12 points a game. All right, another good guard. They got another good guard, Christian Vital, 11 points a game. The guy you really absolutely need to watch out for is Temi Isbuski. Oh, that's how we're going with it? <laughs> that's, how, that's how we're going with it. <laughs> that's how we're going with it. From, from Kachahakin. He's from yeah. Kachahakin. The only reason why you want to watch out for him is Kachahakin. He averages a blistering 0. 0.3 Yeah, He's not going to get off the bench. <laughs> but if you watch for him, he's on the bench and shout to him because he's from Kachahakin. And I used to live in Kachahakin. So. Dark, dark time. Dark time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but in all seriousness, like you said, it's a must-win game. They've got some players... Hurley's going to have the team fired up. Their fans are going to be fired up. It's going to be an intense atmosphere. This is a must-win game. We should win this game. Ken Palm has us at 75% chance to win this game, which is better than the Penn game, which yeah. is good news. Which is which is pretty interesting, right? You wouldn't necessarily think that. If you're on a year-to-year basis, if you said, oh, would we have a better chance to win against UConn or Penn, I would imagine most people would say, oh, definitely a better chance to win against Penn because they're right. Penn. Right. Doesn't seem to be the case no, this year. No, this year it's not Obviously, the case. They lost against Penn. Right. UConn is not a bad team. UConn can beat us. Yes. There is sure. no question about that. But this is a must-win game. So so UConn so, brings up some interesting memories. Absolutely. Right? We, we've got a good history with UConn. Yeah. I love – so UConn is an old Big East rival. Yeah. And that's why we reconnected and that's why we're playing this these games. Now, there's some great memories playing UConn, especially in the last, in the Jay Wright era. Yeah. I figured we could talk some of our favorite, favorite yeah. memories. And, I mean, obviously our freshman year. It has to be. 2005, 2006, number one UConn, number four Villanova. The stars are all over the court. Wells Fargo Center, right? On our side, you got Kyle Lowry. Kyle. Kyle. You got, you got Randy Foy. Alan Ray, Mike Nardi, Will Sheridan, Dante Cunningham is a freshman. Man. Shane Clark is a freshman. The team was insane. We ended up we ended up both being one seeds in the NCAA tournament. We ended up both making the Elite Eight. Yeah. We both lost. Our loss was more excusable because we lost to Florida. Yeah. They lost to George Mason. Not great. Not great. Yeah. So but that game was unbelievable. It was a lot of fun. That was the one, obviously, the headline after the game was on, I think it was what, Philadelphia News or whatever it was, You Can't? Yes. And and one of our friends, Ryan, friend, friend of the, of the pod, pod, Ryan, was the face of that. Yeah, the Philly, Philly. Daily News. Yeah, there he was. Ryan, friend of the pod. You Can't. Phenomenal. Yes. It was beautiful. That was that was my first big college basketball game. We stormed the court. Yeah, which arguably we shouldn't have. One versus four. It's yeah. debatable. <laughs> yeah. But but look, that was like that. It was, was a seminal moment. It was yes, it was absolutely a seminal moment in the Jay Wright era. Obviously, the year prior they had knocked off Kansas at Wells Fargo, which was a huge win in and of itself. But this was the win where it's the Villanova team with expectations on it, living starting to live up to those expectations. Correct. Right? So Correct. this is this is Jay Wright's really first big. Yeah, we're here to play. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is the game where Alan Ray shot us back into the game, and then Mike Nardi for three in the lead. Yes, it was incredible. Will Sheridan had double digits. He was insane. It was a terrific game. So that's yeah, a big one. That's a big one. Then the next year, Scotty Reynolds, and we've got to Scott talk. Reynolds. So we got to do a little segment on Scotty Reynolds. Yeah. So we're, we're going to tangent here. Yeah, we're definitely tangenting. Yeah. 
But I think it's a good tangent because anytime you tangent around Scott Reynolds, that's a yeah. good thing in my Scott mind. Reynolds. Scott Reynolds. Shout out to another friend of ours, Bill, who I don't actually think listens to the pod. Sometimes. Sometimes, perhaps. But, he dabbles in the pod. But I think he was, I'll give him credit for Scott Reynolds because yes. obviously he went by Scotty Reynolds. Yeah. No well, one calls him Scott no Reynolds. No one calls him Scott. Except Bill, who is our friend who just got engaged. Very boisterous. Boisterous Bill. Yeah. Big time Bill. Big time. <laughs> and Bill calls him Scott Reynolds. And we fully embrace that. Yes. We love it. Yeah, Scott definitely. Reynolds. So, Scotty Reynolds was a first-team All-American his senior year. Wore yeah. the number one jersey. Was the point guard, starting point guard on Villanova for four straight years. And, and obviously, most people know Scott Reynolds for what was the shot. Before the shot. Before the Jenkins shot. Yes. Like, I mean... Just unfortunate for Scott Reynolds. <laughs> but, like, seven years prior, it was one of the defining moments in Villanova basketball history. Yeah. It was an incredibly exciting moment. Right. But but that actually understates, like, the value that Scott Reynolds brought to Villanova's basketball program. Yeah, so I think let's get into that in just a second. So, Scotty Reynolds is a 2,000-plus point score. He's the second-highest leading scorer of all time at Villanova. Yeah, Kerry Kittles and then Scotty, Scotty Reynolds. Reynolds. So, Scotty Reynolds... Excellent offensive player. This guy knew how to score. He could score. For, he, he shoot the three. He was like between a thirty-five and forty percent shooter his Every entire single year. His entire career at Villanova. Yeah, sometimes he would have a flat shot, but this guy can shoot the three. He was always a threat to shoot the three. He was incredible driving to the cup. He was an insanely good free throw shooter, especially when you consider how many pressure free throws this guy had to shoot. This guy was like an 85-90% free throw shooter. He averaged 16 points a game. Throughout his entire career. Throughout his entire career. And he played 35 games each year. Right. And again, this is in the old Big East. No slouch competition. And, And he's gotten... Obviously, we've been incredibly spoiled the past few years. And we talk about Bridges, and we talk about Brunson, and we talk about Hart. Rightfully so. And Archie Diakono. And Archie Diakono, because they are phenomenal players. But Scott Reynolds was a player. <laughs> You're really going all in on I'm Scott I'm going Reynolds. all in on Scott. Scotty Reynolds was an all-time great Villanova player. Yeah. And, and he should not be forgotten because... No, his he, jersey belongs in the rafters. 100%. He is a Hall of Fame Villanova player. Yeah. I think the last guy in the rafters is Randy Foyer, Alan Ray, one of the two. Yeah. He needs to be the next one. Yes. 100% agree. Without a doubt. And then, I think it actually is also an interesting corollary. The one knock on Scotty Reynolds, and it's fair, the guy couldn't play a lick of defense. He couldn't, yeah. With the one exception is Scotty Reynolds knew how to split a gap and get an interception, basically, on an errant pass and take off for a transition bucket. He was he was always good for, like, one a game where he intercepts a pass yeah. and is off to the races for a layup. And, and I, I do, obviously I didn't watch all that much Villanova basketball prior to coming to Nova, I will readily admit. The other thing I do give Scotty Reynolds a bit of credit for is the three-point fake. Oh, yeah. No. Scotty Reynolds. He gets the credit. Signature move. Yes. Was the three-point fake, draw the foul, so, and shoot three points. So we have a lot of, so we have a lot of listeners who are either students or recent grads. Yeah. And we're very thankful for your listens. Yes. But if you didn't follow the Villanova program prior to, like, 2013, 2014, you would think that 
Darren Hilliard, Chris Jenkins, yeah. uh, Bridges, Brunson, etc., were the inventors of the up fake, get the guy in the air, jump and foul. No, Scotty Reynolds was the pioneer. 100%. He was famous for that. In fact, one of his best plays ever was against Clemson in the 2008 NCAA tournament. We were down 19. He led a 19-point comeback. Was it that much? I think it was. Oh, my God. Uh, look it up. We need to fact check we're, this. I'm going to fact check this, but I think we were down as much as 19 in that game. He had a four-point play in that game because he got the guy up in the air and ended up hitting the three. It was gigantic swing. It appears to be not 19, but it was it was 16. There was a 16-point deficit. Okay, so I'm not that far you off. You weren't that far off. Yeah. Pretty close. We'll give you credit for it. Okay, so... Scotty Reynolds was terrific. And I think he draws a great corollary between a current player on this team, Javon Quinterly. Say more. So we talked about Scotty Reynolds not being able to play defense. Javon Quinterly can't figure out the defensive scheme in the slightest. But Scotty Reynolds proves that Jay Wright's willing to play a guy who's offensively so talented and mm. so terrific that he'll excuse the defensive lapses if he's still the average of his basketball skill. Makes him that good. Yeah. That's my only point with that. Okay, okay. A couple of my other favorite Scotty memories are against UConn. Right. So in the 2007 year, Scotty Reynolds put up 40 in stores. His freshman year, right? His freshman yeah. year put up 40 it was against unreal. UConn. Unreal. Right? So that was one. And two, in his junior year, that year that we lost five in a row that I keep referencing, we beat UConn. They were 13th ranked UConn. We beat them at the Wells Fargo Center, and one of the most important plays of that game was towards the end of the game, we are up two, and we had the ball, and Scotty Reynolds put up a insane layup over yes. the outstretched arms of like seven-footer Hashim Tabit, yes. who was a monster defensively for UConn. He was a slow monster. I yeah, he was a that. slow monster. He wasn't he, like... He was like, he was like an early 2000s NBA player. He would not get a look in the NBA draft today. Yeah, no, no question. Not a look. Right? But he put up a layup that was off the top of the glass that floated in nice. And this is what we got to We got used to this watching yeah. Scotty. Over and up, and boom, layup. That put us up four with like moments left in the game, and it put the game out of reach. So that's just the one thing I just thought. Final thing. And now that we brought it back to UConn, Val Ackerman brought the fact that uh, schools have approached Villanova. I'm sorry, Villanova. Well, it's basically Villanova. Basically. <laughs> Schools have approached Big East about trying to join the conference. Yeah. And there's this discussion of, do we want to join the conference? Do we want to join the Big East? And Val was, like, quick to say, like, no, we're good. We're happy with the 10 schools we have, blah, blah, blah. But if we go to 20, we could do – we could keep the 10-game round robin. And when Chris says 20, goes to 20 games 20 in the games. conference schedule. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So if you went to 11 teams – Within the Big East, you'd have then 20 games in the Big East conference schedule. Which schools, which conferences are doing now. That's the next step yes, is absolutely. that conferences are now going to 20-game seasons. Yeah. So it would be interesting to be able to do that and keep the round robin. And the question is, what schools the Big East bring in? And I think the conversation, by my standards, absent Notre Dame. I'm excluding Notre oh, Dame. Notre from Dame's this. always number one. Yeah, I'm excluding Notre Dame from this conversation. They're in the ACC. Yeah, they're because they're in the ACC, but they are independent. It 
there's a theoretical path for them to be, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, but, we missed but, it. We missed it a few years ago. It's gone. Alignment-wise, Notre Dame is the best. Notre Dame would have been the best. Yeah. yeah. But assuming that that's out of the question, yeah. single-handedly, UConn is the best option, period. End of story. I do not want to hear. I honestly don't. If you have this opinion and you want to tweet us, fine. But I'm telling you, I don't want to hear another other option of a school above UConn. I mean, UConn is the best option the, for the Big East. The only other school you put in there that's interesting is Gonzaga. And it, yeah. and it's and, and the the reason you don't go for it is cuz it's so far away. Correct. And it would be it would make travel insane. So so I get that. So so the point of this podcast and the point of this segment is to focus on UConn. UConn, there's definitely some mutual interest between the Big East and between UConn, the thing they need to figure out that UConn needs to figure out is what are we going to do with our football program? Their football program currently resides within the AAC. They would need to find a home for it. They spent a bunch of money on it. Here's their home, D1AA. Yeah, it, it's true. Their football program, I think, is 1-11 this year. They're atrocious. They're horrible. It's a money suck. The state of Connecticut should not be spending this type of money on a football program that is fucking horrible. Would you welcome UConn to the Big East? Yeah. Oh, my God. With open arms. I think I would, too. With arms wide open. And here's with why. arms wide open. Oh, my God. <laughs> is, that, so bad. Is, that, is that Creed? Oh, is that Creed? God. It's so bad. Is that Creed? It's so bad. First, back to middle school. Oh, my God. So, anyway. For our younger look, listeners, I would, I would, with song. arms wide open, I would welcome... <laughs> I would welcome <laughs> UConn back into the Big East. I would too. Sign because, me up. Let's do it. Because here's the thing. Northeast profile, the people who go to UConn, okay, are very similar to the people who go to Providence, who go to Seton Hall, who go to who go to other schools in the area. This is a school that fits, even though it's a big state U. It's not a typical big state U. This is not a Penn State. This is not a Kansas. This is not a school that's like Bigger than, larger than life, etc. This is UConn. It's a Northeast school. It fits our It's a profile. basketball school. It's a basketball school. This yeah. is what the school cares it's a bas- about. It's basketball first. Not to mention the fact that their women's program brings so much to it, too. That's, that, would be, that would be very cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So UConn in the Big East would be great. Rivals all over the place. Yeah. Natural rivals. Villanova, UConn, Georgetown, Providence, Seton Hall. All these schools... Big time. MSG with UConn. Big East tournament. Big time. UConn is the best program for this conference that we can add. Period. End of story. I don't want to hear another argument. And with with that, I think we should go to break. Let's take a break. All right. We'll be back in just a few moments. Stick with us. Coming back with first semester grades on the 2018-2019 season. Hello everyone, it's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Just want to give a special shout out to our official podcast partner, which is Nova Insider. Check out their website, novainsider1985.com. They got some awesome gear. Also look out, we're going to do a special collaboration with them for a Full 40 podcast t-shirt brought to you by Nova Insider. Look out for them. They got a lot of awesome stuff coming down the pike in the very near future. Stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. And as always, let's go Nova. All right, everyone. Welcome back. It's a full 40 with Chris and Rob 
brought to you by Nova Insider. The second half of the second podcast. We're in the home stretch here. We're trying, right. to, clo- we're trying to close it out. Trying to close it out on a high note. Yeah. All right. So the first semester, it's finals week. It's finals week. Finals week at Villanova. I do not envy students, by the way. Like, I loved college. I did not enjoy studying. Mm. I fully enjoy being a working professional, having some money to spend, not having to study for tests. Like, yeah, I've got to make a PowerPoint presentation. Don't care. Way better than reading textbook. Yeah. Anyway, students who are listening, you're probably studying for finals. You're in finals. Or you're finishing finals. finals. Whatever. You're on your ride home. Whatever. Finals. Whatever. Moving on. Fuck it. Fuck it. End of semester grades. We're giving them out. Yep. Because who gives out in semester grades, as we explained? Experts. Experts. And we are? Experts. Experts. All right. So let's start with Eric. Eric, yeah. So Rob and I have done our individual grades. We heard a little bit about what each other was thinking, but we're kind of going into this blind. Yeah. So what do you give Eric? I give Eric a C. And and by the way, we're grading relative to expectations. Yes. Everything is relative to expectations. I give Eric a C. I give Eric a B. So that's actually a pretty big disparity. So here's so where is your where where you at? Here's my thought process. If you go back to our earlier podcast this year, we're talking about Eric Pascal as a as an All American candidate, as a borderline lottery draft pick, and to be that level of performer, you've got to really bring it game in and game out. And don't get me wrong, Eric has had some great performances this year and has definitely carried the team through a number of games. That said. I haven't seen a Jalen Brunson or a Josh Hart-like performance out of Eric Paschal. Yeah, you're looking for the all-world beating, hello, Eric Paschal's here type of moment. Here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Josh Hart two years ago against Notre Dame saying, I got this, and taking over the game. Yeah. And being able to just do whatever the team needed and counter whatever our opponent is throwing at him. And I haven't seen that. Eric's been good, but relative to what I thought he was going to be coming in, he hasn't been quite there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm in agreement that he's certainly not an A relative to what I expected him to be. I just think Eric's had a lot of weight on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And so and I think you might be dismissing a little bit of the rebounding skill, putbacks, etc. That's why I give him B. He's still showing that incredible athleticism. Though I agree that sometimes our offense has actually gotten better because Eric has started to be leaned less on as opposed to taking over a game. Yeah. So I think that's a fair point. Let's move on to Phil. Yeah. So I got Phil as a B minus. I got Phil as a B. All right. So we're pretty close there. Yeah. I mean, my general comment on Phil is that games like Kansas, without the Kansas game today, if I was to actually take that out, yeah. I would have been at C+. Plus. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he his grade increased. His final exam, a.k.a. Kansas, bolstered his grade. <laughs> nice. yeah. Um, but I expected more Kansas-like games and performances out of Phil. Fifth-year senior, I don't know if you know this, but he scored 20 points in the 2016 National Championship. I did know that. Wow. Thank you for letting me know. I expected more big game Phil-type games. Okay. Um, so far this season. So, and, and my thought was, he's come through a lot, I think, and he has delivered a number of 20-plus point performances. But the hero ball game is so outrageous sometimes. Like, he doesn't realize when he's not on mm. until Jay has to sit him down and say, stop. Yeah. Right? And there, there were a couple of moments in the game today where it was, it seemed to be where he was just like, no, 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 I got this. I right. got this. Right. So I, I And he did get it. 
Yeah. And he, he, yeah, today he was absolutely on. Yeah. He was killer. All right, so next up is Colin Gillespie. What do you got? Uh, I got a B-plus for Colin. Yeah, I have an A-minus. I think it's, I mean, we're pretty, pretty much similar. in the same yeah. thing. Colin is above my expectations so far in the season. He still does some plays that I don't necessarily understand. I think he he's 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 always going to lack a little bit of athleticism, but like he's, what he's, he lacks in athleticism, he makes up for it huge balls. Yeah, and I think he's actually like stepped into the role very nicely. Today I thought was a great example. Yes, today the shots didn't fall for him. Fine. That said, he was calm, he was cool, he managed the offense and I thought that's what we need from our point guard today is we need somebody who can come in, who can get things done, who can direct people in the right in the right spot, and Colin's been able to do that so far. So from our starting point guard, yeah, I think he's been able to do that, especially for somebody who's simply a, a sophomore and who played spot kind of role minutes last year. The step up that he's been able to bring has been actually pretty admirable. Uh, to your point, could you imagine this team without Colin Gillespie stepping up? No, hundred percent not. No, it'd be a disaster. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we'll yeah we'll get to the alternative, which would be JQ in in a couple minutes. Yeah. All right. So then Demir Cosby Roundtree, I got him as an A. Yeah, I got him as an A A minus. He's been great. Great job. Jo- great job around the rim. He does a great job around the rim. He really does. It, look, Dada Dada was. Great in select minutes last year. And what we wanted from him when we talked early in the season was for him to be able to take that role and apply it to a larger amount of playing time. Yes. And he's broadly been able to do that. He's been able to bring the same type of consistency. And I think he's also been able to bring a, a pretty solid defensive and rebounding presence when he's ever whenever he's on the court. I totally agree. I love Dada. His energy is terrific. He knows where to be. He's got good footwork. He rebounds the ball really well. He's definitely made the jump this year. Look, look I don't want to call it for our listeners. Is he Omari Spellman? No. No, But actually, not. that's actually braces a good point. Because the one thing that would take him to the next level is any sort of threat of a long-range jumper. Even 15 feet. Yeah. Here's why I say this. When Omari Spellman was on the team last year, now granted, obviously the entire team was more talented last year, but when Omari Spellman was on the team last year, the five was stretched out. If he received the ball, a defender had to be out on him, which meant that the middle was opened up. When Demir Cosby Roundtree gets the ball, I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting there thinking, oh, open guy. Shoot it. Shoot the ball. (laughs) Me too. Shoot the three-pointer. Nicole's always like, he can't shoot it. I'm like, yeah, but I want him to. Yeah. Just just do it. Just see what happens. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's actually that limitation. Because what you see is that the defender sags. Right? So the defender sagged into the lane because he knows Demir Kazi Roundtree is not going to shoot it. Yeah. And that's one area where he could ben- where we could all benefit. The whole entire team would benefit if he could pull up once or twice a game in those yeah. situations. Obviously, He's not going to develop that skill set in the middle of the season. So we'll send him a DM and tell him to work on that in the offseason because I'm sure Jay Wright hasn't thought of this before. Yeah, yeah, Jay. (laughs) Jay's probably like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Our center should be able to shoot the ball. Never thought of that. Thank you, Full 40. Appreciate your insight. (laughs) That's what we're here for. Sadiq Bey. A. A A plus. A plus. A plus. Sadiq Bey is the most amazing Relative to expectations, we were talking about him earlier this year. We were talking about red shirt. 
He's a starter. He's a bona fide starter. He deserves every start. He's every part of the rotation as possible. Done. And we also, just to be clear, we set the expectations earlier on this podcast. We will not hold Sadiq Bey accountable for any mistakes that he makes. Which, let's be clear, he hasn't made any mistakes. Yes, correct. Because... I don't see any mistakes. I see no mistakes. Yeah. Sadiq Bay today against Kansas, no mistakes. He was perfect. Sadiq Bay, Sadiq A plus Bay, A plus. A plus. That's it. We're all on Hey Bay Bay. Hey Bay Bay. We need to give, you know what, you know what we need to do? Coming up on the Big East, we need to give Sadiq a little more love. Yeah. I don't think we give Sadiq Bay enough love on this podcast. He deserves more. If there's one thing we should improve on this podcast, it's the amount of time we spend on Sadiq Bay. 100%. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be. Here's a commitment to our listeners. We're going to up the amount of time we spend on Sadiq Bay by at least 100% <laughs> per episode. <laughs> you heard it here. Call us out if we don't give Sadiq that love. I like it. So, Jermaine Samuels. So, we're through the starters. Yeah. So, Jermaine Samuels. I got him at a B. Yeah, I got him at a, I got him at a B-. minus. He was at a C, high D. <laughs> Yeah. level area, and then he won us the Temple game, and he had a good performance against St. Joe's. And he still seems more in the flow now. Yeah. And even though he wasn't making shots today, etc., he's playing with a lot more confidence. It's clearly a much more of an asset to the team. I got him as a B. Totally. My expectations were like nothing also, so that's part of it. I, I think that's fair. My expectations for, for Jermaine were, were definitely a bit lower. He, he he plays a very he plays a valuable role for this team. You can't deny it at this point. He's he's got a role. He's looking way more confident, and I I want to see him continue to develop. We know the four and the five is not his natural spot, like we talked about last podcast or two podcasts ago. But he's continuing to step up a bit. So hopefully he steps into that role a bit more. All right. Joe Cremo. Yeah, Joe. I've got it about a C minus. I have him a C plus. Okay. So I'm a little higher on you. That's a that's actually a, a solid disparity. That's a two grade disparity. Yeah, here's my thing with with Cremo. You bring in a grad transfer to be able to step in immediately mm-hmm. and make an immediate impact. And oftentimes it's for a specific thing. Hey, like you know, if I look at um, I look at Kentucky, right? They bring in Reed Travis or Travis Reed, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> I, I can't keep it straight. They're like, hey, we need a big man. You're a big man. You can kind of shoot the ball, right? Well, we brought in Joe Cremo. We wanted a shooter. Cremo, obviously, he's got the facial fracture, whatever is happening there. Certainly challenged him. And today we saw more challenge with Kansas, which may have been a product of the Kansas defense more than Cremo's ability to get open. But I want to see more of Cremo just catch the ball, fire it up. That's what we brought him in for. That's the role he should be playing. So I want to see more Cremo green light. Go for it, baby. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I would like to see him be a little more aggressive. I give him a C plus, a little higher than you. I don't think I disagree with anything that you just said. I just think that the mask, I give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because of the mask. Okay. All right. Swider? Swider. I have him as a B. Swider, I also have him as a B. He's been all right. Yeah, he's been okay. Yeah. The difference between him and an A is that his shot doesn't go down as much as it should. Yeah, agree. Right, like he's supposed to be a shooter, but like I still get him. I still see him making the effort. He seems like he's he's got he understands the system a little bit. He's a liability defensively, but my expectations were very low for Swider. Yeah. So I think he's been a little bit better than I expected, That's or it. about what I expected. I think my long term expectations for Swider are still super high. I love him with the ball in his hands. He actually seems really in control when he has the ball. I don't really worry about him turning it over or making dumb plays. Yes, I want the shot to go down a little bit more. 
I think that'll come with time. So I think give him a year, give him two years, he's going to be golden. So that's the main part of the rotation. Yeah. Next up is uh, Painter. Uh, withdraw? Yeah, we have, we have him as a withdraw. <laughs> withdraw? Yeah, W slash D. See ya. W slash D. Uh, it's on, on to Delaware. Yeah, we'll move there. Slater. Um, Slater, I've got an N.A. All right, I have him as a D-N-P. Ah, uh, I see what you're Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess Slater is going to redshirt. It seems to be that Although way. he's gotten minutes in a few games. I don't know exactly how this is going to work. Don't understand I don't what's happening. It. it doesn't seem to make much sense to me. At this point, like, announce the redshirt. That way, you leave the fans to not wonder. But... Oh, because you know Jay Wright solves for his fans' yeah, feelings. Yeah, no, no, well, certainly on, doesn't do on. that. He certainly doesn't do that. JQ, Javon Quinterly. D? Yeah, I have him as a D minus NP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But unfortunately, look, I expected Javon at this point in time to be leading the offense. Yeah. Right? We, we, so we my expectations the were there. We thought he was the starter on day one. I definitely did not expect Jalen Brunson. No. But whatever Colin Gillespie's currently doing is kind of what I expected um, Javon Quinn to be I think that's fair. Doing. Yeah. Right? So relative to expectations, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good. Hasn't he, been good. The Instagram post affects my thing. Like, it's not, an, it's not a total F because I don't think it's all his fault. And again, to be clear... We're bullish on the long term. We want him to succeed. We just haven't seen it relative to expectations to date. Yeah. All right. And then the final is uh, Jay Wright and his own coaching staff. What do you got? I got a B minus. Ooh. I have a C. So this is interesting because in most of the grades, you had most of the player grades as like a little bit lower than I did. By a little bit. Not by a lot. And in the coaching grade, you had Jay as higher. So to me, what that tells me is that your perspective is that Jay has done an adequate or okay job coaching. It's just the players have not been good. And for me, it's that the players are doing okay. Jay is not doing a good enough job with this team yet. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like, I see, I see the way the pieces move, and the pieces move, like, a little bit more slowly than I expected them to. Okay, so that's the difference between, like, a B, B+, A-, and a B minus. I think so. But but the point being that I expected the players to pick it up a little bit more quickly. I know we were on a complex defensive scheme. The offense is more kind of principle-based rather than play-based. So it's a bit of a challenge. And as a result, that to me kind of falls a bit on the players rather than on the coach. It's like, hey, you got to pick it up. And they haven't quite picked it up yet. Yeah. For me, it's with the large exception of and it's fair, of Colin and Demir Kazriantri and Sadiq Bey. I just don't think Jay has done a good enough job with Jermaine, with JQ, with Swider, with Slater. And to me, that's why I give him a C. I just think that those guys have really struggled to come along. Mm. And we would be at least two or three losses less if those guys were further along yeah. at this point than we are now. Mm. Like, if we were 11 and 1 or 10 and 2. Totally different conversation, yeah. Right? Like, yep. then I think, and I and both, by the way, are feasible records to have. Sure. Right? To- totally agree. Yeah, based totally on the agree. results. Yeah, yeah. Like, Furman, Mich- um, sorry, not Michigan. Michigan, Michigan. was going to be a no, loss, clearly. Loss. Furman, Kansas, and Penn all could have gone the other way. Yep. Right? Totally agree. And I blame that on the coach. I love Jay Wright. Like, I'm not a fire Jay Wright guy ever. Yeah. Ever. No. 
He's, he's earned the lifetime right at this point. Yeah. So I love Jay, but I just I think you got to put it on the coach. Uh, I, that's to me the thing. All right. Fair enough. All right. So any other semester grade you want to do? You want to grade us? I think we're an A+. Plus. <laughs> Obviously we're an A+. Plus. Yeah. Is, is there a higher grade than A+, plus? A infinity? Uh, yeah. I think we should and, get that. And here's the reason why. In the very beginning of the season, we told all our listeners to set the expectations to, like, negative. Yes. And I think we've done better than that. We've delivered podcasts. We consistently put out podcasts. We attended games. Correct. From in far-flung locations. Yeah, so A for effort, just on the fact that we went to Lawrence, 100%. Kansas. 100%. Right? I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to pat myself on the back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to see fucking Twister. <laughs> That's in. true. That's true. Yeah. We, right? we are putting our life on the line. On the line. Wizard of Oz is coming. Absolutely. Right? If you don't and hear from us again, it's because we do it for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And then there's also the fact that, like, I don't know, we've said some things that make sense. Most things don't. A lot of things don't, yeah. But relative to expectations, the fact that we've said anything that makes sense. I think that's pretty good. And strategically, teaming up with Nova Insider, big time. Indeed. Indeed. Anyone Indeed. else? I don't think... I think that's I think that's pretty good. Shouts to Dwayne Anderson. Shouts to Dwayne Anderson. The Jermaine Samuels whisperer. The Jermaine Samuels whisperer. Yeah, just wanted to give a shout out to him. Also, shouts to all of our former players that are on the coaching staff because it seems all of our coaching staff right now is former players. Yeah, Nardi. Daryl Reynolds. Daryl Reynolds is there too. He's there. Yep. Dwayne Anderson. Daryl Reynolds has a great YouTube interview going. Um, stay tuned with Dre. Check it out pretty cool i like it yeah all right so we got the end of semester grades we got all that uh heart monitor or oh yeah let's do a little let's do a a quick heart monitor because we actually had like an interesting interesting past couple weeks we haven't done a whole lot of heart monitor updates recently because we didn't think there was a ton of note so jalen's been awesome so jalen's okay let's start with jalen so jalen has been awesome so Jalen's playing time has been a little bit limited in the season to date. He's in an interesting situation with the Mavericks where there's a bit of a backlog in their guard situation between Dan Smith Jr., uh, J.J. Berea. They've got Luka Doncic, likes the ball in his hands as well. Anyway, Dennis Smith Jr. was hurt the past few games, so Brunson has gotten significantly more playing time. So over the past like 10 days or so, He's had an 11, 14, 17, and 13 point game. So he's definitely getting way more comfortable in the Mavericks offense. In addition, he's gotten a shit ton of praise from Rick Carlisle, who's the Mavericks coach. Like, it's actually stupid the amount of praise that he's gotten for a guy who is essentially their backup and almost backup, backup point guard. Rick Carlisle just raves about Jalen's skill set. And it's stuff that, if you watched Jalen last year, you knew what you were going to see in the NBA. He plays under control. He does his Euro step. The Euro step has absolutely translated to the NBA. 100%. Like, there are numerous highlights of Jalen's Euro step in the NBA. Like, I love it. I absolutely love it. So he's he's totally stepped up and made and taken advantage of the opportunity that he's been given. And the Mavericks, as we mentioned earlier, have made a big investment in him. They gave him, I think it was like a, a three or four year deal for a second round pick, which is not the norm by any means. They're bullish on him in the long term, and he's definitely trying to step up when the opportunity is given. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, 
he's the best thing about Jalen is that he is who he is, and he knows how to play within himself and make the most of his situation. Totally, yeah. The player we saw in college is the player he is in the NBA. Heady, smart, crafty. It's literally the same feedback that he's getting in the NBA, which is super cool to see. Yeah. And like, we knew this. He's going to be a 10-year we, pro. We, we, we knew this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the knock on him was like, oh, he's not as athletic, whatever. No. The stuff that allowed him to dominate in the college game is the same thing that's benefited him in the NBA. Like, even in college, people are like, oh, he's not that athletic. So, it obviously, you get the same criticism in the NBA, but it's not holding him back at all. No. I'm really excited for him. Yeah, same. It's looking, it's looking good for him. Um, let's talk quickly about, about Kyle. 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 Kyle's having a phenomenal year. Oh, Kyle blew up against the Warriors the other day. <laughs> um, yeah. So, obviously, we've talked about the Raptors. The Raptors are having a phenomenal season all in. They got Kawhi Leonard, big add to their team. Kawhi was actually out against the Warriors. So, basically, the brunt of the offense was left to Kyle. And Kyle was able to put in a phenomenal performance, chipped in 23 points, 12 assists against the Warriors. The Raptors picked up a win, and it wasn't even just a win. It was a pretty convincing win against a fully staffed Warriors team as well, too. So it wasn't one of these, oh, we're missing Steph Curry type things. No, the Warriors had everybody there, and Kyle just was able to get it done. So Kyle Kyle continuing to do big things in the Eastern Conference. Maybe this is the year they get over the hump and get into the finals. I love it. All right. Um, should we do a little Josh? Yeah, what's going on with Josh? Um, Josh has been Josh has been pretty hot recently. He had a little bit of a little bit of a dry spell, but the past week or so, he's had a 16 point game on five of ten shooting. He had a 15 point game on six of eight shooting. So he is absolutely chipping in, just kind of as expected. He's doing not only the three and D type role. He's hitting three pointers. He's getting the steals, getting the rebounds like he always does. He's also been able to create a lot on the offensive end. So kudos to Josh. Things seem to be going pretty well in L.A. I mean, hey, it's great when you get to play with the king. A friend of the pod saw Josh's parents Yes. on the way to the game today. Um, and they were terrific. And they said Josh is doing pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I'd probably be doing pretty good too. Yeah. If I was living in L.A., averaging like whatever he's averaging, playing with LeBron, making a couple mil a year, yeah, I'd be doing pretty playing good, too. Playing bad Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, playing bad Fortnite. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so Josh is doing well. And then I think the last guy to round it out who's been having, began a lot more playing time is Mikhail, our favorite bridge. Mikhail's been getting some, some good minutes. He basically moved into a starter role and has absolutely passed up Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. Yikes. <laughs> too many, too many whiskeys at this point. Has absolutely passed Josh Jackson in the Suns rotation. As of late, he got a 12-point game. He had a 19-point game. He's chipping it in. He's shooting pretty well from all sides of from all elements of the field. He's shooting pretty well from everywhere. Yeah, uh, great the, steal. Yeah, the other day he's doing he's doing well. Yeah, he's he's good. Yeah. And so, so look, our guys in the NBA continue to prove their worth through the hard and battle-tested fundamentals that they've learned in college. And that's why we keep doing the heart monitor, because it's yeah. exciting to follow them. And I think, look, I think that's it. I think that's all we got. I think we wrap it up here. So thanks for listening to this two-part podcast, as Rob and I have gotten progressively more intoxicated. It's it's definitely shown throughout the show. Yeah. So 
I'm sure we'll listen to this and record it. We'll be like, oh my gosh, slurring <laughs> all our words. Um, but as always, we got to thank our fans for listening. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us. Keep checking us out. Our story was awesome from Alan Fieldhouse today. Check us out on Instagram at the full forty. Check us out on Twitter also at the full forty. We really appreciate all the follows. We really appreciate all the new listens. We've had over a thousand listens in the past week or so. Yeah. Um, let really, us know what you want to hear. Yeah, we really do want to make this an interactive thing. So let us know what you want to hear. Yeah. Hundred percent. And any ideas you don't want to do on social media, you could either DM us or you could hit us up on our email at full forty nova at gmail So anyway, that's it for us today. Um, This is the Full 40 with Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. And as always, let's Let's go go Nova. Nova.